What is up, Combo Nation? Happy Monday. We are here with yet another episode of Combo's Court. We can't stop, we won't stop, and welcome to episode 537 of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. With your skills and just a few easy taps, you could turn $10 into $250. Go to Prize Picks and use code Combo for a first deposit match up to $100. Today's episode, Alex of Knicks Fan TV joins in to talk New York Knicks basketball. We discuss his expectations going into the season. Can you build a title contender around Brunson and Randall? And Alex also grades Tibbs early in this NBA season. That and so much more. Go subscribe to Knicks Fan TV on YouTube. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Welcome to Combo's Court, man. Um, it's been great talking to you over the past four or five weeks. It's crazy how time flies. Like four or five episodes already on uh, the NBA report. It's been a lot of fun. Andrew, thank you for having me on, man. I'm glad to talk hoops with you. Glad to talk Knicks. And yeah, four. it's already been four or five shows. It's been, it's been about a month. Where? I think so, yeah. It's crazy, Jeez. right? Well, it's, I, lo- I love when you're on the show, man. We get to chop it up, talk about basketball. I always like getting different opinions about the league as a whole. And look, man, I I love your knowledge, especially since you played hoops internationally. So great, great to be here, man. Great to talk to you. I enjoy everything, man. Enjoy it. Appreciate you. It's always I always look forward to talking to you and CP on Wednesdays on the NBA report. We're here to talk about Knicks today, Al. Um, mm. yeah, it's been tough lately, but let's take a little bit of an elevated perspective, right? So going into the season, what were your expectations and have the Knicks met those? My expectations is for, well, let me, let me walk it back because the, the, the talking point this entire offseason was continuity, right? We got beat over the head. If you're a Knicks fan about continuity, we didn't really change the roster that much. All they did was trade Obi Toppin to the Indiana Pacers and then acquire Dante DiVincenzo through free agency. So I was expecting this team not to be world beaters. I didn't expect them to, you know, necessarily be a championship contender or anything of that nature, but to be a consistent team coming out the gate, uh, be a like just be that good competitive team from the get go. And so far, they've done that. Um, they've done that to a certain degree. Like there's been some disappointing losses. I mean, the biggest losses are to the Celtics and to the Bucks, but understandable that they're in a different tier. But it's a reality check, right? Of like where the Knicks stand, how good they are as an actual team as a whole. But as of right now, it's still too early for me to really see if they've met those expectations. But as of right now, they're a good team. They beat on the bad teams. You know, they had a lowly night against Utah, but even the best teams have bad nights against some of the worst teams in the league. So it's kind of just been even kill right now. I would say that they're on track to meet my expectations, but that would be, you know, being a good team, hopefully make it to the second round. That's That's about it. Yeah, I mean, you understand the pulse so well of the New York Knicks fan. Do you feel like Knicks, Knicks fans are getting tired of the team not being legit title contenders? Because you know how Knicks fans are. It's either we're <laughs> great or we're upset, right? So, yeah. I mean, 
our Knicks, I mean, to ask if they're impatient is a little crazy because it feels like they haven't been legit, legit title contenders for years. I know Knicks fans had some hopes, right? Once they beat Cleveland last year, like they thought mm-hmm. the team was turning that corner, but are Knicks fans staying impatient? Are they impatient? Like, how are they feeling? I think it's, it's totally mixed, man. There's, oh, I mean, okay. the fan base is completely divided where it's, I don't know the numbers, but it's completely divided where it's like, yo, we're a good team. We're building the right way. Let's stay patient. We're going to find that star at some point. There's always a superstar that gets disgruntled. They want out. Let's just stay patient. We're on the right track. Then there's the other fan base. That's like other part of the fan base where it's like, what is this team doing? We're not really going any anywhere. Why should we be excited about this? We need a superstar. Or why don't we just rebuild the team the, the right way, which is just go through the draft and so forth. Or mm. why don't we just make, or if it's this team right now, why don't we just make trades for someone like a Drew Holiday or someone like a Zach Levine and and see if that is the trade that we need instead of going out for a superstar? Maybe as a collective, they're able to take down that superstar, right? Um, it's mixed, man. It's mixed. I, I think like there's no real like one way for a Knicks fan to think. That's what's so great. It's like one team, one of the biggest cities in the world, and you talk about just yeah. a diversity of the fan base, <laughs> and you got to think like. Brooklyn Nets don't really count as like being a New York basketball team. Right. Right. But when yeah. you, unless you're going back to the ABA, but that's another story. But if you're thinking about like, you got Jets, Giants, Yankees, Mets, Islanders, Rangers fans, right. All those fan bases for the most part come into being a Knicks fan because that's the only true New York fan. There's just so many different opinions based on what other team success you've got to watch. Right. And I, I think like, that's like the biggest thing for it comes to like, engaging with Knicks fans is that there's just so many differing opinions, but to answer your question, like there's no one right way or what one answer. It's just been so back and forth. And it's like, it what it feels like, especially you go on Twitter, just like a bloodbath of just like, no, you're, 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 you're against the team. Why do you even root for this team? Or like, Oh no, you're just too much of a homer. Why, why can't you look and see what the flaws are? So it's yeah. interesting. Let's shift from the Knicks fans perspective to Alex. Well, he is a Knicks fan, but to your perspective and opinion specifically do you feel there's an avenue where you could build a legit title contender around Brunson and Randall yeah I think you can I think you can um I think it would be very difficult um with how the team's currently constructed based on other players that you would have to involve in that deal to get it done but I mean anything is possible right I mean you could people wonder if Giannis Middleton and Drew Holiday could been could be the winning ticket and it was people wondered if like could Devin Booker be in a finals because they thought he was a just, you know, numbers, not really that type of guy. I think it's possible. I don't think if you're looking at where the talent is though, between Brunson and Randall, if you want to upgrade, you have to probably move one of those guys. I don't see Brunson being the guy moved. I don't see Randall really being the guy moved either. I mean, according to Ian Begley this off season, like teams would, the team would be interested in moving Randall for the right price. Right. It's not just to move him for the sake of moving him. It'd have to be like, who are you getting in return? Is it going to be a Joel Embiid? Is it going to be somebody like that? Because like, he raises your that? ceiling. He raises your ceiling so high, right? Like you're going to be pretty good with Randall. I mean, you're going to be good with Randall. I think yeah. there's like I think there's a cap with just him and Brunson, just based on the construct of the team. Like what this team really needs is a wing that could be a three and D defender or just like a Paul George, right? Like if you told me that you got Paul George on this team, which I was in favor for of that trade when the reports came out. Not so much if you have to give him an extension just because of his age and injury history. But if you got if you told me you had a rental for the remainder of his contract, which is two years, that would be interesting because I think he's that type of guy that you need, a guy that spaces the floor, who can attack, bring the ball up, initiate. Like that's the type of player I would say would help elevate that team to 
get into championship contender status, but there's no wing out there right now that you can go get that is that Paul George esque type player. Yeah. But I think it's possible. It'd be definitely difficult because you need R. It's, it's definitely the RJ spot that needs to be that would have to be changed if you want to have Brunson and Randall being those two guys as part of the championship type team. I feel like OG is in every trade scenario for every team. He's like <laughs> he's like he's like the new Buddy Hield. Like Buddy Hield is in every trade scenario ever. Like for years, he's always in trade talks. But do you think OG's a guy that can help, or is there another guy that you're looking at? Because I mean, the Knicks have some picks too. Uh, is there they a do. guy? Yeah, is there a guy that you think they should look for before the trade deadline? Um, I don't think OG puts him over the top, and that's why, like when CP and I just talk or anybody else on KFTV, like they say, like Randall caps the output of this team is that if you're going to have him as like a top two option based on all the trade talks out there, that's why it's capped. Um, and that like with OG, then you're saying like you're relying on Randall and Brunson to be your top two guys. And I love Brunson, definitely the number one option. Randall's been playing like a number one option. So you feel Brunson's their best play. player? You feel like the Brunson's the Knicks best player? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think okay. he's the best player. Like if, if like Randall, definitely the second option because guy who initiates, get everything set, is Brunson, Mr. Clutch himself for the team. I would go Brunson. Randall's on a tear right now while Brunson's been struggling, but Brunson's definitely the one guy, number one guy. Then it would be Randall. Just because of like the consistency, especially what you saw from last season. Um, yeah, I, I would go Brunson and, and, and Randall. But OG's not that guy that would do it. I don't see a guy right now that's out there on the market that says, hey, you get this guy and then it elevates you to championship contender status. Unless it was you're like you're telling me like a Paul George type player that joins this roster. Yeah, I know Paul George would definitely help. Um, so what I love about what Rick Carlisle is doing is that like he embraced the modern style of basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, with Tibbs, I feel like the way he coaches a little more rigid, a little more old school. How would you grade his season so far? And just in general, as the Knicks head coach, he always gets his guy. He always got his guys on speed dial, right? He got he got Taj back in the building. <laughs> yep. You know, you know that was coming, man. As soon as, as soon as Mitch goes down, it's like who's reliable that knows what I do that I can call on the hotline. Yeah, is, I mean, is Joe Kim next? Who's coming next? Tell me. Oh, good God, please, no, no, Joe. Look, man, we just finished paying Noah. Can we not have them back on the Knicks, please? Do you feel like Tibbs has to embrace modern basketball a little more? Uh, he has. He definitely has. I mean, you if you listen to the most recent episode with Fred Katz, the beat reporter for The Athletic who covers the Knicks, and CP did a great job uh, of the quarter season report. Tibbs is asking to put up more threes. I think mm-hmm. the spot where you look that Tibbs is behind is the offensive creativity, like with purpose, right? And yeah, listening to Fred, he says he allows the players to be who they are and play to their strengths, which, cool. You allow Randall and Brunson to look for the mismatches and attack in isolation. But I'm also looking for a guy that not only allows them to play their strengths, but also creates some sort of, you know, formula that they can go back to. Like they run certain sets, you know, you got your pistol, uh, the horn sets, uh, the horn sets that they run. But it's like every time I have to watch two different sets of basketball being played on the court, where there's the starting unit, that's more so isolation. Second unit is more ball movement. Like to me, I just feel like when you watch teams like the Kings, when you watch teams like uh, the Warriors, uh, you watch what the Heat do and their success. Like they get everybody involved, and I yeah. feel, feel like when I watch that starting unit, there's not a, enough intentional offensive plays driven 
to get everybody involved, which is why you see somebody like Quentin Grimes struggle with a starting unit. And like Dante, sure, he had a great night against Utah, but the other two games he's been quiet and he doesn't get that many touches and has been more of like a facilitator more than he has been the shooter that I think fans necessarily want to see from him in that starting rotation. Yeah. Um, I would like to just see more purpose, like in the offensive play calling, instead of just we go to isolation because when I watch opposing defenses, it's just easy to read where you just yes. don't have to move around the court that much, right? Everyone can just stay in front of their man. Not a lot of effort necessarily to cover defensively. Uh, that's why I wish there was more purpose, I would say, in Tibbs' offense. Yeah, it feels like the offense needs more elusiveness. Now, when you're playing against a team like the Cavs, where Randall could kind of bully, RJ could mm-hmm. kind of, you know, hopefully he's shooting well, but when he's not, he could kind of get through walls as well. Um, mm-hmm. Jalen Brunson is one of the stronger guards, so he imposed his will there. But when you have, like, a solid back line, like, let's say the Bucks, I mean, Billy bully ball goes out the window a little bit. Yeah, it does. And, like, when you watch the Celtics, I mean – they're not necessarily the, like, they move the rock well, but they're not necessarily a team that is, I mean, they have one of the best players in Tatum, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we, you and I have had our conversation about how we feel about Tatum, but regardless, <laughs> talent alone, like, he can still right. get a shot off no matter what. He's a right. legitimate three-level scorer. Jalen yeah. Brown, solid to legitimate three-level scorer as well. I mean, when you have two, those two guys on the perimeter and you have guys like Derek White and Drew Holiday who can play top-tier defense and can sh- or essentially – two-point guard split, right? They just offer different but similar aspects of the game. Like, they're not necessarily the most offensively creative team, but they're so talented enough where you don't have to. I think the Knicks are talented, but I don't think it's an overpowering talent like when you face a team like the Celtics. And that's why they went 3-1 and last year. Like, you know, it's not uh, it's not Brad Stevens coaching that team anymore. You see that with Joe Mazzullo. It's more stagnant. Like, if it was Brad Stevens, we saw what he did for Isaiah Thomas to get him to be an MVP-type caliber player. Um, but, you know, if th- that just goes back to say, like, if Tibbs just could just be a little bit more thoughtful on the offensive creativity rather than just relying Brunson and Randall to be, like, our Tatum and Brown, they're just not that. Like, I love both of them. Jalen, definitely a top 25 player after last season, how he performed. Brandle, a Randall, definitely, like, top 30 top 40 player in the league um i just don't think they're that overpowering where you can just allow them to just go in on a nightly basis be like or like a tyrese maxi and joel and bead right mm-hmm. like you could just allow Giannis to do whatever he wants because it's Giannis. like right. they're good but they're not that overpowering good right like Embiid, if you give him the ball in the high post i mean it don't like he bullies through anybody julius randall could struggle could struggle against like an elite defense right and if he's not making the right reads I mean, look, you just, if you watch the Celtics game, Drew Holiday, you know, you think you think that would be a mismatch, but Drew Holiday's good guarding strong, bigger, bigger defenders. Yeah, and he's strong. You know, he's, he's not, what is it? He's like sneaky strong, right? Like he doesn't look like he's going to overpower you. But look, Randall didn't have a, necessarily the greatest night against the Celtics. It's sometimes and he tough when those, matchup. like, as a bigger guard myself, it's sometimes tough when, like, those smaller guys, like, get up under you. Even, yeah. like, that's even tougher than, like, the guy your size who might be a little bit slower, right? Or even the same mm-hmm. strength. So that gets tough when you got, what like, Drew, when he gets under you, it's tough. Yeah, for sure. So it's like, you know, if it was, like, an Embiid on Drew Holiday, you know that's, like, that's yeah. money all day. But it's... Right, right. But Randall, right. It's, not, it's not always like that. So that's where it's, like, that's where you need, like, that third guy. That's where it goes, like, could you get, like, a PG, 
Can Tibbs be a little bit more offensively like creative? I mean, look what Eric Spolster did with the Miami Heat in the playoffs, right? Like you just see how everyone got involved. Like Duncan Robinson had decided to, you know, come back from the dead after being benched and it just looked fine. <laughs> yeah. And the Knicks really don't have a Duncan Robinson, right? Like a movement shooter. That would probably open things up for um Randall and Brunson as well. They don't got guys like just darting all over the floor, hitting movement threes, quickly gets his shot off pretty effortlessly, and he could sh- like shoot off the dribble and off the move, but Nobody really elite in that area. No, no one. I think like that's why people call for Evan Fournier. But that's true. The thing yeah. is, like with Fournier, is that you're just giving up a lot on defense, like a lot. And I think like where Fournier would thrive would be with that second unit. But this goes back to like Tiz being a little rigid. It's like this is the nine man rotation we got. You know, like we're not like he's not gonna be that dude to just like change willy nilly or just be that guy. Like he 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 believes in the concept of. These guys should know when they come into the game every single time. Like you could just, you could just easily time all the rotations. It's just so funny. That's how, that's how rigid he is. Yeah. And the thing is like, I think it was first Utah yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, like the team will not be performing, but maybe one guy like quickly will be playing well and then he'll just take everybody out. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's just kind of how it goes. I mean, like we've seen this before, like you can go back to like when the Knicks, when Randall had his first all-star all NBA season, Austin Rivers was in Utah, dropped over 20 points in the first half. And then Tibbs pulled him out. I'm like, why would you pull out the guy who didn't miss a shot from the court and had 20 points, but yet he pulled him out. And then Rivers went cold in the second half. It's like, yeah, he was in a rhythm. You keep riding the hot hand until, you know, it's over. <laughs> speaking, speaking of Austin Rivers, he's a free agent. Yeah, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> no, I mean, defense hard. Could shoot the three at times. We have so many guards as it is, Andrew. You already know. I mean, you two, you <laughs> tapped in. He got, yeah, he, he, yeah, he, he would have to like grow a few inches, maybe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> if he could be like a six, seven wing, you know, at this point of his career, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what's probably frustrating for Knicks fans at this point is that the Knicks with Tibbs, their identity is, there's so much put into defense, and now defense is some of the issue with the point of attack defense and then Mitch being out. Is that the biggest improvement area for the Knicks moving forward? I know that, I mean, they brought Taj in for, like, a little bit of that, right, when it comes to, like, Mitch being out. But is that the biggest concern for you moving forward? And what do you feel it is an improvement area that could really take the Knicks to the next level um, and kind of get out of this um, struggle time that they're in? Yeah, I mean, the defense is taking a step back without Mitchell Robinson. And, you know, even putting Quentin Grimes on the second unit, that was one of your best point-of-attack defenders in that starting rotation, which is, you know, I know there's a lot of contention. He wasn't really offering much in the starting unit, but defensively he was fine. But now that you see without it, the last two games, I mean, over the last two games, okay, let me let me give you this because I was doing some research on stats. Uh, prior to Mitchell Robinson's injury, the Knicks had the ninth, best defensive rating in the NBA. The last two games without uh, Mitchell Robinson, they have been 23rd in defensive rating. So it's a, it's a drastic drop with when you lose a guy who's been your safety valve for the defense, right? And to turn at the rim. Um, obviously you talk about Quentin Grimes going to the bench too, and not necessarily having the best perimeter defender either, but that's just to give you an idea of like how badly Mitchell Robinson is missed. And if you're Tom Thibodeau, who, praises who who prides himself on defense you know i i don't know what direction you go with this to to get it better like isaiah hartenstein i like him as a backup big 
not exactly Mitchell Robinson. Jericho Sims is Mitchell Robinson light, but you know, you can see like the movement yeah. on the perimeter, how he can guard, like pick and roll, but he's just not that he's not a truly that veteran savviness that Mitchell Robinson is. And until he can learn that, could you say, okay, then we're truly fine if for Mitch to miss some time, but you know, the Knicks were like a 500 team last year without Mitchell Robinson. I think that was through 23 games. They're around a 500 team. Um, I expect the same thing this year. And a lot of what the Knicks will have to do is one rely heavily on their offense and really hope that Brunson yeah. and Randall can, can carry this team. And then two, if you're talking about defensively, I don't expect them to be a top 10 defense with what they have right now, but everyone's going to just have to put out great efforts to get timely stops when needed. Um, and I know that's, that's tough to be a two-way player, but you're going to need everyone to buy in to be that to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think you need to lean into offense because I heart is a way better passer than Mitch, right? Like he connects, sure. the, he connects the team in a better way. So I feel like with him on the floor, you, it could make your offense better, especially with guys like Brunson and Randall who are heavy on ISO. Like it's nice to have a big that could connect the team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, but this is like the thing too. Like you watch that second unit, you see iHeart can start distributing the ball. You put iHeart with those starters. You're not really necessarily getting the same thing. Like mm -hmm. I, you can go back to plays where you just see Quentin Grimes, uh, doing like a give and go with Isaiah Hartenstein or running the pick and roll. And, you know, quickly and Isaiah Hartenstein love to run the pick and roll as well. And they have Josh Hart, who's constantly cutting Grimes, who can constantly cut as well. Uh, RJ, who likes to get downhill at first, you know, like they get downhill, but those guys and, and more so Randall in a sense has to be so on ball where that's not going to be his strength. And then you add a guy like Dante who can cut, but he's not necessarily the best finisher around the rim. Brunson, Knows how to work off ball after playing with Luca, but that team just needs Brunson and Dante to be those initiators because outside of them, you're not really trusting anybody else with the rock in their hands because high turnover rates. So you're not going to really get the Isaiah Hartenstein that you want. I think it would be I think it'd be cool to get him involved in being like high post, get guys cutting and finding guys on the perimeter. But that first unit to me doesn't really have enough of those guys that play that type of style. So let's end with RJ. Um, you know, it's been inconsistent play over the course of this year. I felt like when I was watching his jump shot earlier in the season, it looked a lot better mechanically. Like I felt like it had better flow. What have you made of his development over watching him for the last five years? And what do you think he still needs to improve upon? Ooh, and he's going through a tough stretch right now. After, ha after having a 27-point performance against Toronto and then having a clunker of a game, with three of 16 from the field against Utah. Yeah, yeah. Crescent. Um, I think the one thing that he had that he did show at the beginning of the season was uh decision making. I think mm. he was reading the court better. And it's not like he added anything really new to his game. He's he's still shooting the same way, in my opinion. Like he's or like he's still attacking the game the same way, where it's like game downhill, taking open threes, um, you know, a little bit of a mid-range game here and there, depending on the night. But he's still really playing the same way. Uh, but it's really more so the decision-making. When he's at his best, it's like, all right, do I have an open lane to attack the rim? Okay, do I have a mismatch when I'm attacking the rim? Okay, let's see what happens. If not, do I kick out to the perimeter and find a guy in the corner three to make an easy shot? Uh, those are the things that he's really improved on this year. But outside of that, it's not necessarily anything in the mechanics. Like, it was looking great to start, Andrew. I don't know what happened with the, the mechanics now. It's now a little wonky. But, hey, that's... <laughs> I know that's also part of the game. Like there's some good nights from you for shooting. There's some bad nights, but 
I don't know, man. There were some times when he came back from the mig- from that migraine issue. I'm like, what are you doing? Like he was just hitting back iron, back iron, back iron. I was like, wow. Yeah. Looking rough out there. Yeah. His right hand got better, right? Over the course of his career. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, he's yeah. finishing better with the right hand, too. Yeah. I think like, especially when you have Stephen A last year, like, oh, can you finish with the right? It's like he did. He's definitely finishing with the right better this season than last year, but it's not like he couldn't do it. Yeah. See, that's a thing that's such an improvable skill. You just got to rep it out. Just like, you know, dribble with your right hand, a lot of different finishes with your right hand, floaters, hook shots, lays. Like It's something that no players, it shouldn't be lacking for any player in the modern game because it's so easy to rep out. But Al, uh, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Go subscribe to Knicks Fan TV. Go subscribe to the NBA Report. Uh, where else can we find you, Al? Uh, those are the two areas you can find me. Uh, I write articles for KnicksFanTV.com. So if you want to check out some of the articles for KnicksFanTV.com, Check us out there as well. But yeah, man, that's where you could find me. That's all the stuff that we do. Andrew, I always enjoy talking to you, man. Can't wait for the normal Wednesday spot where you come back on the NBA report and we get to chop it up. I know we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. I know you want to talk about the Kings and uh, the Thunder right now, man, after <laughs> last night's game. I know you want to discuss that. That was a good matchup. And I know we got to talk about the Warriors lineup changes. I know there's that too. So I can't wait until next Wednesday. We won't talk about my Bucks narrative. Except it's still alive, you know, it's still alive. It's not, yeah, really, you know, the, it's the not hot, but it's the still mid, alive. The, the midseason thing hurting a little bit, but then you know, Giannis dropped 64, is chasing after the game ball. They look out of sorts even when they're winning. <laughs> Can I ask you, all right, before we leave, what do you make of that situation of the, the game ball incident? I could see why he got frustrated, but I don't think it warranted warranted him running to the back like the Incredible Hulk. Like he, <laughs> he he needs some kind of composure. Like I get it, I get it. Like make sure you could send somebody there. Like you don't have to run yourself, you know. Uh, but I, I do see why he was frustrated because, you know, he said he didn't get his game six game ball. It's something he wants to send to his mom. I mean, that's a milestone. When you score like that many points it's like you don't get a lot of those over the course of your nba career you don't get a lot of 64 point games so to say that we were going to give it to a to a rookie who actually scored in the midseason tournament but yep. didn't count uh for his first point is a little bit ridiculous but i think they i think Giannis definitely did that because of the way partly the way Tyrese was acting during that midseason tournament with the dame time you know mm-hmm. There's I mean, some chippiness now. Yeah, exactly. So th- he he wasn't happy about that. I think he lost to the Pacers twice. Um, yeah. So he was upset. I know Dane wanted to probably kill them as well. And that's probably part of the reason for the 64 points. The other reason for the 64 points is the, Indi- the Indiana Pacers interior defense is terrible because they like to juice the numbers. They like to shoot a lot of threes on one side and not allow you to shoot threes and funnel you to the rim on the other side. So that's another reason. They got cooked by A.D., and Giannis over the past few games, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, we'll we'll see what happens to the Pacers moving forward. But no, nah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And look, I would be upset too if I didn't get the game ball. But it was funny, man. I mean, I love drama in the NBA. What better way than to see Giannis just roll back there and trying to demand a game ball? I mean, you had Draymond the previous night. You could have tra- tried a better script than this. <laughs> the, tra- the Draymond thing is crazy, right? It's insane. Absolutely insane. <laughs> I, I don't even I, I don't even know what to make out of it. Same more, man. <laughs> Al, looking forward to next Wednesday on the NBA Report. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Appreciate you, man. Have a good one. Peace. You too. Later, bro.
There it is. Episode 537 is a wrap. Thank you to everyone who tunes into Combos Court across the globe. Big shouts to Alex of Knicks Fan TV for joining in on this one. Go subscribe to Knicks Fan TV on YouTube. This episode was brought to you by Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy for a first deposit match up to $100. Use code COMBO. That's right. Use code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100. Be on the lookout for episode 538. Combo out.